Hello and welcome to the journalism.co.uk podcast with me, Jacob Granger. In this week's episode, we speak to Rob Weinberg, founder of The Correspondent in the Netherlands, upon the launch of their crowdfunding campaign to fund the English language counterpart, The Correspondent, this week. Their target, just $2.5 million in the space of a month, would see them launch the platform fully staffed in the spring of 2019 having found success with their influential membership model in their native Dutch language platform, they're now hungry to roll out their distinct philosophy to the English-speaking audience, just in case, like me, you haven't quite gotten around to learning Dutch yet. So what follows is a schooling with Rob on their principles, so the English-speaking audiences know what to expect with their antidote, as it were, to breaking news, and we'll also cover why, and importantly how, they can get involved, the members, and their future aims should they hit that crowdfunding target. All of our journalism starts with call-outs and questions to readers. Now, the information by then pours in. The job of the correspondent is to kind of like make sense of that information and make stories out of it that can be understood by people who are laymen, the general public, right? So people who know a lot about the subject bring stuff in and then the correspondent's job is kind of to translate those insights to the people who might want to know. So that was Rob Weinberg, founder of The Correspondent, on their so-called unbreaking news philosophy they bring into English-speaking audiences, which uses the expertise and experience of their members to report on major topics of our time in a way that focuses on structural aspects rather than the immediate. And that's where we're going to start with that membership. Now here at journalism.co.uk, we have spent a lot of time in talking about memberships and subscriptions lately and other business models. It was a topic we tackled in some depth at our last News Rewind conference as it tried to forecast a few of the options that news organisations could try out based on a few select examples that have been pretty effective. What the correspondent have achieved in the Netherlands has inspired many models around the world. So where we'll start is Rob just explaining a little bit more on their distinct membership model and importantly why it isn't a subscription. Members join a cause and we see ourselves more of a platform that you join because you support its mission and the kind of journalism it does uh, rather than just a product you consume. A big part of our philosophy is or a big part of the criticism that is part of our philosophy on the news industry is that it has been heavily commoditized. It has become a product more than a public service. You're not a consumer. And you're not just buying a product, you're joining our platform. And on that platform, we don't just serve you stories. We collaborate with you on telling the stories we think are most important to tell. Members contribute more than just financially. Subscribers, they get the product because they pay, right? Members pay as well, but they also pay in, for example, by sharing knowledge and helping us figure out certain stuff. Of course, they do have quite a lot of experience with crowdfunding as well. The correspondent famously broke the world record for a crowdfunding campaign back in 2013. That was raising 1.7 million euros between 19,000 members. But more impressive than that is the fact they're 60,000 members strong 
and still standing five years later. But now, of course, they're looking to branch out to those English-speaking news audiences who are more than likely curious about all the rage of the dog correspondent and charmed by that distinct philosophy, which we will come back to, don't worry. So that's the context for the launch of their English language platform, and just to understand a bit about where they've come from, Rob walked me through some of the impact the correspondent has had in the Netherlands and abroad, uh, and how it aims to carry through to the English language platform. We kind of set an example of, here's a very different model, and this was in a time when paying for news was even more rare online than it is now. After the correspondent launched, about a little over 20 similar news platforms have arised all over the world. So in about 17 countries, there have been similar platforms, crowdfunded, for example, member-funded, and with the same kind of principles. So the principles of like going beyond the news grind, being ad-free, being member-funded only. They all publicly have stated we are we were inspired by the correspondent. And so that, that's an effect. I think that growth is also because we contributed to a public understanding of what news actually is, what news does to your worldview, and how we can change the kind of news we consume on a daily basis. News consumption is just automatic. It's just reflexive. It's just, you look at your phone. Uh, this is just the news you expect to have. Like there, It's like kind of like, tap water. It's there, everybody drinks it, you don't expect it to be any different anywhere else. It's the same with news. News is the same everywhere and you expect it to be the same everywhere. But the fact that news is a conscious series of decisions about what it should be about, how it's reported, how it's presented, etc. That consciousness with average consumers that news is not just the thing you think it should be, I think we contributed to, to that as well. Some of you may know, some of you may not. Rob was running a series of Medium posts just prior to the campaign launch, which outlines these five criticisms of modern day news coverage, which very much underpin the editorial strategy of The Correspondent, and now subsequently, of course, The Correspondent. Uh, these being sensationalism, exceptionalism, negativity, and current events. And I did say five, and I did mean five. Uh, importantly, that last one is a two-in-one kind of deal. Uh, but I won't go into the specifics of those because Rob outlines those much more succinctly on the post. Go over read, it's very hypnotic stuff. Uh, but essentially, these five problems with modern news means that we as audiences uh, only have a very superficial understanding of the world around us because our news consumption neglects to inform us properly on the causes of key issues. So major events like the financial crisis of 2008, one key example Rob cites uh, several times throughout the interview, uh, are seen as one-day events when in fact there were multiple opportunities to forecast the problem had they focused on the causes along the way. Hold on to that thought because we'll come back to it. So with the English language poised, how does he try to reverse these problems and where would he even start? How are we going to change this? Well. First of all, I don't have the illusion that, that what we're going to do is to, going to change all of the news industry as a whole. That's not going to happen. That's not even what we want to do because there is a place for this kind of information. I need to know uh, that there is a fire in my street. The kind of journalism we do won't tell you that. So the problem is that if I see the world only through the fires in my street, 
I will never have an understanding of the causes of the fire. What we try to do is write daily newsworthy stories of the foundational and structural instead of the incidental and recent. And we do that by kind of changing the whole way we look at journalism and we do journalism. You can't just walk out the door, flip on the TV and, and know these things. You have to dig deep. You have to have a deep understanding of the world around us and the way it works. Now, how do you get this deep understanding? A very good start, which is very big part of our model, is ask readers themselves. So we see our readers, our members, as the biggest untapped resource of knowledge that journalists have to their disposal. And we need to tap into that, not incidentally, but structurally, constantly. Why? Because these readers collectively know more than one journalist. And collectively they know more because they are in the realities we try to understand. So if you want to understand what really drives healthcare bills or what really uh, shapes the future of education, you have to ask the doctors, nurses, patients, students, teachers, or principals that are in those realities. So people who know a lot about the subject bring stuff in and then the correspondent's job is kind of to translate those insights to the people who are outsiders but who want to know what is going on with the school system where their kids are in. So again, citing that blog, many interesting correspondent titles appear in passing reference. Debt correspondent, New Religions correspondent, I saw Forgotten Wars correspondent, and so on. There's a few of these. But you get the idea that their reporters very much focus on specific areas or beats, and as a result, thoroughly report their research as they plunge into a topic that has, as he put it, structural developments or implications for the lives of many people. If you do remember what we touched on about the financial crisis of 2008, Rob talks about how a Dutch correspondent pitched a hypothesis that the online ad market is just as big of a bubble as the housing market that caused the financial crisis 10 years ago. And if that bubble bursts, well, that's what he will try and find out. So the idea is to document and share their learning experience with the audience so that when big events do occur, they do not seem like one-day occurrences. So you can imagine how curious I was whether there were any beats assigned ahead of time or anything that would be unique to the English platform. Well, the, the honest answer is this always depends on the correspondents themselves. So correspondents determine their own beats. And I want correspondents to explain to me and obviously to our readers what the beat is that they are supposed to be following and what they want to uh, cover. And let me put it like this. If I told you beats right now, then I, the only thing I could do is superficially give you a sense of what I think is important so I need experts to tell me what the beat should be. But I can give you a general sense that, for example, there will definitely be a beat about the transition to a new kind of economy based on renewable energy. That is a fundamental force that we need to cover. The rise and influence of artificial intelligence will probably be on that list. You're not reading articles, you're sharing the learning curve they go through when they research a certain subject. So they, you start with the beginning and the questions and you end with the insights at the end. And that process is what, you, what we try to convey to you. So it's not just 
Here's an article on artificial intelligence because you can get that anywhere. No. Here's a correspondent who will figure out the influence of artificial intelligence on our lives and he will start here. And if you start following this correspondent throughout his research, then you learn more about the subject matter and you can contribute what you know about the subject matter. That's the way we work. So that's also why when launching in the English language, we're not going to uh, show sample articles because articles are not indicative of the kind of journalism we want to do. And just finally then, as they hit launch on the crowdfunding campaign, should they hit that $2.5 million target, what will they hope to achieve over the course of the English platform's existence? What we try to achieve is threefold. Yes, we want to give the world this kind of journalism to people that don't speak Dutch. That's one. Second, um, uh, we hope by broadening our member base that also, because we see our member base as a knowledge community, we will enrich our understanding of the world because more people can share what they know and experience with us. So it's two ways. We hope to give better journalism and better understanding of the world around us to people outside the Dutch language. And we hope that by doing so, these people who are in that English language can give knowledge and expertise to us in return. And also obviously paying for our journalism because that will help us obviously uh, improve it because more people will pay for it. Giving that journalism to, to the English world and receiving the expertise of that, of that English-speaking uh, group of people um, is our ultimate goal. Fascinating stuff there from Rob and with the clock ticking on their launch campaign. We'll be keeping an eye as they narrow in on that target. If you do want to read more about their philosophy and editorial style, I do recommend that you check out Rob's Medium blog, and I'll leave a link for that in the article for you to go away and read. But before I leave you, we're just going to hear quickly from Jasmine from our jobs board. Hi, Jasmine from the jobs board here to let you know about all the amazing opportunities that we have available and how to find them. We advertise a wide range of jobs from trainee journalists to senior sub-editor at companies such as Mail Online, Sportsbeat and HuffPost. We make sure that all our job postings are clear and jargon-free and you can search them by job type, location and salary range. Go on to journalism.co.uk to find out more and follow at Journalism Jobs on Twitter. So that wraps up this week's episode on journalism.co.uk. I want to thank Rob Weinberg for taking the time to speak to me uh, and thank you of course to everyone at home or on the commute listening in wherever you are and do stay in touch with us on Twitter at Journalism News if you'd like to feature on a future podcast it would be great to hear from you so that's all this week from me uh, until next time